Hi, you're listening to Living Life on Purpose, and I'm your host, Matt Wilson. The goal of this show is for us to sit down with successful people who also live a life of purpose. We want you to hear their stories, understand that they've had to overcome adversity, how their faith has played a role, and ultimately we want you to be encouraged by the things that you hear so that you can walk through similar situations. We hope you enjoy. Today on the show, we have Craig Smith. Craig is an author who spent his early career using music as his main platform for ministry. He wrote and recorded 14 music projects with a myriad of songs charting the top 10 national Christian charts, received a dub nomination for the Best Worship Album, and a nomination for CSAC Inspirational Songwriter of the Year. Now, after years of touring his music around the world, Craig is firmly rooted leading his local church in Arkansas. Craig is also the founder of Village to Village, a faith-based nonprofit that builds a culture of hope in underserved regions around the world. B2V believes that true transformation can only come from a personal relationship with Christ, and they seek to transform communities and families with the living hope of Jesus. The organization partners with local programs to create hope villages in Uganda, Northwest Arkansas, and Thailand, to help families break cycles of addiction, poverty, and abuse. Craig, it is an honor to have you here today. Thank you so much. Uh, It's great to be here, and I appreciate the opportunity to be with you guys and your audience. Yes, sir. So you started in music, and then you've kind of transitioned a little bit. How did you get started in in worship music, and what did that look like? Well, you uh, giving the intro bio, I kind of, uh, it's funny, sometimes I'll think, oh, Oh, that's right. I did do that at one point in time. The years, uh, the years do different things. Uh, it's, it, it just feels like a, those earlier chapters of my walk with Christ and just trying to serve Him. There's been several decades of those things that have gone by at this point in time. Well, to answer your question, and I'll, I'll give a, a brief backstory. I am originally from Louisville, Kentucky, and raised in a Christian family, though it was more of a not something where I think we understood or where I got to see this daily relationship with Jesus, but just more so coming from a, a solid family where the mom and dad were rooted in the value systems of biblical value systems. But um, not until my early teen years, when I started again and getting in trouble, that I see them ramping up their uh, relationship with the Lord in prayer. Um, I started playing drums when I was 11 years old and about 13 years old in Louisville. At the time, you could play in bars as long as you were part of the band. It didn't take place, obviously, and other things going on. From those early years in music as a drummer until uh, seeing the whole rock music. I was a jazz drummer, so in seeing the whole rock music thing unfold, and I got pretty intrigued by that music and the lifestyle that was around it. Started playing in uh, just with different local rock bands and recording a little bit and we had become no no one with great reputation, but in our region, because of the records that were played on the radio, and we were trying our best to be national stars. Our egos were certainly large enough, Matt, to uh, <laughs> to be there as young young men. But but uh, met a young lady who is now my wife, and uh, met a young lady. We started dating, got married. She was from a, a Christian background also, but again, not, not a family that was just in a engaged in a real relationship with Jesus as you and I might define it uh, today. So we, we got married and almost 
instantly began having problems. The manager of the band that I was in was from New York City. He was 20 years older than us. He was a Jewish man. He managed rock musicians for, that's what he did. He moved to Louisville. He had been our manager for about a six-year period. And he was befriended by a local pastor in town. And so he ended up uh, leading our manager to the Lord, getting him involved in church. Uh, we watched his life radically change. It wasn't so much what he said any longer, but it was his lifestyle that was uh, making, an impression, making an impression on us. We, we sort of made fun of him. That's horrible. We were making fun of him at the time. But um, we got married, my wife and I, and struggling from the get-go. We were invited to go to church with him. We went to church with him. We listened to a very simple sermon on this is what your life can be. If you really serve God with the whole heart, we both committed our lives to Christ in that service. A few months later, moved to Missouri, where I uh, was very honored to spend some time at a Bible college and just really focused on the word and developing our relationship with God. So that's how it kind of started. Then I shifted. We moved here to Arkansas and I began touring, uh, essentially doing a lot of universities and churches. And I would go in and do some worship music, share my testimony and do an invitation. And uh, that's what we did for a very, very long time. So that was how I got my introduction into Christian music. We were in Houston, Texas. Two guys were in a service that I was leading that had started a, a new record label. They only had a handful of our artists in those old days. Petra was one of those artists, I think Resurrection Man, and uh, just a few guys like that from a long, long time ago approached me. We signed a contract, recorded my first Christian album, and just continued that touring process for a number of years. So that's how I got involved in that endeavor. Wow. It, first of all, it's a similar situation where I, I grew up in church, you know, in, in religion and, you know, very good parents. Um, but I, I didn't have that relationship with the Lord. And so I started doing my own thing you know, tail into high school, you know, through college. And uh, my wife similarly grew up, grow, you know, going to church. But at the point that that we met each other, we were just two heathens that that had no relationship with the Lord, very far uh, from relationship with him and uh, any type of, you know, church going. And uh, the Lord is just so gracious and kind that that he can take people that have gotten off the path and he can gently nudge us back and oftentimes it happens with a relationship with a spouse, uh, somebody that becomes a spouse that that says, "Hey, you're you're capable of more than, uh, than what you've been doing." Because uh, when you try to be married without God at the center of the relationship, you have problems, just like we did, just like you did. Yeah, when when He's not in the center of the relationship, it uh, it doesn't work because He designed marriage from the beginning, and He wants to be in the middle of it. So that is a lot of similarities in our story, although I am not a musician. You ended up becoming a pastor, you're leading a church, and now you've just written a devotional. You know, tell us about the, the book Awake in the Dawn. Well, I thank you for asking. I do want to make sure that I say uh, that this past summer in July, my wife and I celebrated 50 years of being married. Wow. Um, Congratulations. And, and then in the fall, of course, 50 years of knowing Christ. Um, when we moved, we moved to Arkansas at an invitation to begin uh, ministering, uh, uh, youth ministry, but also kind of have this as our home base. Uh, 
when we would travel. That uh, just continued to unfold. Our church that we had been part of a very, very long time asked me if I would consider taking some time free from the road and develop small groups, just which I've always had an interest in. I thought that the place where we can, uh, on a Sunday morning when there's a large crowd, it's kind of difficult to really get into each other's lives the way we know that the Lord would intend for us to. So yeah, I was intrigued by that. So uh, Diana and I took some time off the road and began to develop small group system within our church where we tried to uh, best we could bring smaller communities together to make up a whole community of faith where we were going to church. And uh, honest, this is not gonna, that was kind of the beginning of the end as far as me touring a lot. It just continued to unfold. And then there was a time when uh, the pastor stepped away from the church, from ministry. We were approached by the leaders of the church and said, would you guys consider praying about becoming our pastors? Uh, Matt, when I was in Bible college, I remember being in a class one day and they were just asking, what area of ministry do you want to be in? And I'm not exaggerating this story. Becoming a pastor was, it was at the bottom of my list because uh, I just thought, man, those looks like those guys take an awful beating really. And <laughs> so I thought, I'm not, I don't know, but we prayed, we felt uh, checked with our mentors. I, I love that God in his graciousness brought some wonderful men and women into the lives of my wife and I, and uh, older than I am. I'm, I'm currently their age when we were uh, younger, and uh, I still talk to my wife. I said, I think those guys were just far more mature and smarter than we are, because I don't feel much like uh, I have the wisdom that those guys had when we were younger. But we started pastoring, honestly thought that we'd go three to four or five years maybe. And uh, we've been in this particular church for well over 30 years and 26 or 27 years as its pastor. The book, many years ago, I started trying to, I just would notice that Jesus would get up early in the morning. There was a lot of references in the word to guys getting up early in the morning. I started trying to discipline my life. Musicians don't have a reputation for getting up much earlier than probably noon or 10. Right. Well, I just did. I disciplined myself to get up those early hours, and I love them. They're almost sacred to me at this point. Uh, I uh, confess the first thing I do at 4 or 4.30 is to get a cup of coffee and uh, kind of wake up, but usually by 4.30, quarter to 5, I'm, I'm, I'm in the Word, and I'm just loving this beautiful field of treasures that we call the Bible to just begin to explore and have it come so alive. And I journaled. Someone encouraged me at my beginning of my walk with the Lord to just jot some things down. Some, so I began to journal back in those days and have ever since. So I looked at the Lord's Prayer. I was away on a retreat one time, and I was looking at the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, through 5 6, and 7. And embedded in that genius sermon of the Lord's is this thing called the Lord's Prayer or we call it the Lord's Prayer. And I just looked at that, and this is what I honestly thought. I thought, hey, wait a minute. I've read this so many times, and I've heard it so many times in places. What if if, uh, if, if we were the disciples of Jesus, if I could put, put myself in his place then, and I came to him with the other disciples and, and just said, we've noticed this pattern that you have, where you just, you end up with these massive crowds. You spend time with us, Lord, but then you just, you're away. And then you come back, and you tell us, and we see that it was a, a time of prayer. 
would you teach us to pray because we see the effectiveness of your life? And it is my opinion that if we ask Jesus what's the best way to pray, he's probably not going to give us his B, C, or, or D game. He's going to give us his A game. Right. And so I've, I've kind of started going, there's got to be layers to this somehow. So the Lord's Prayer is a work of beauty, just as it is when we recite it. But then I think each one of those areas, those themes that Jesus gave us, is sort of an entry door into another room of his house, where we can explore all the articles that might happen to be in that room. So that rhythm, I took up in my in my prayer time and in my journaling, and would just try to find a, a scripture that would parallel that particular theme. And then I would just do a normal journal uh, out of that. Well, the book was developed really from about three or four guys that said, Craig, we know you get up early and you would you call and wake us up or so we can kind of get in that same pattern, which of course I said, no, your wives, they were all married, will kill me if I send you a text or wake you up that early. So I said, how about if I send you an email, I'll just shoot you an email with a scripture and something really it's just an on-ramp. That's all really awakened the dawn is truly just an on-ramp to encourage men and women to get in a quiet place with the Lord. Uh, so it just unraveled and they would send it to other people. And pretty soon we had uh, quite a few people that we were sending it out to. And I was approached by someone uh, to put it in a more formal presentation. And so Matt, that's really it. awake and the dawn though. I it's, it's just kind of come out of my own quiet time and journaling time. The primary mission is to use the Lord's Prayer to help people find an on-ramp into a daily quiet time with, with Christ. And then the only, it has a secondary mission, and that is we are much engaged in uh, mission work. And so the proceeds from, there is a music companion piece too, but the proceeds from the music and the proceeds from the book itself all go to uh, our ministry, um, or I'm sorry, our mission arm, which is nonprofit. I can honestly say we take nothing personal from the book or from the CD at all. It all goes into missions. So that's the secondary thing is to help Village to Village. And our primary target in Village to Village is, is to truly build, encourage building a culture of hope around Jesus Christ and our target, our children at risk, which my last thing to take a breath here is I used to think children at risk were those that maybe didn't have the best providers, or best home. But honestly, in this culture that we've been in the last two or three years, I think every child, every child in our country is at risk. Yes, now I agree. First of all, much like us not having God in our marriage, uh, if you don't have God throughout your day on a daily basis, if you're not starting your day in the prayer, in the word, in worship with him, coming to commune with him early in the morning before you, you know, check your phone, before you turn on the news, before you uh, just get bombarded by the world, you're going to lose every single day. You're going to be starting your day from behind. You're going to be playing catch up. And it's why the world looks the way that it looks, because, you know, Jesus did model the proper behavior. He spent time with his father. He He went when it was early, he went to quiet places. He wanted to hear what his father was saying to him. And then he came back and he was able to speak and minister to all the other people that the Lord would place in his path. And so 
I highly encourage people as well, just like you're talking about, you know, get up early, even if you don't like to get up early anyway, and then spend time with him and start, you know, reading his word, start spending time in prayer, and then start listening at the same time to hear what he's saying back to you, because he does want that relationship with us. And you know, I, I used to not be an early riser either, and I don't get up at 4 or 4.30, but I get up at 5, and I like to spend somewhere between an hour to an hour and a half in that, that you know, that place of uh, praying, uh, reading scripture, and knowing that, you know, he's the God of the universe, but he wants to spend time with me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, knowing that that we've got an all-powerful, all-knowing God that wants to spend time with his sons and daughters is extremely important. And you know, I just, I love that you've developed a resource for people to be able to, you know, get in that and, and have a daily devotional where uh, they don't know where to get started. Start with reading some of these encouragements and the, the things that came from your revelation. The ultimate goal is obviously for them to get their own revelation. But um, I think that it's great that, you know, you, you were hungry and so you were getting fed and then other people started coming alongside you saying, hey, I'm hungry too. Uh, you know, throw me some of your your scraps, essentially. And, you know, so uh, with that, that your leftovers, the things that the Lord was just giving you, you know, bits and pieces, you know, you put into this devotional and now I'm sure it's, you know, a gourmet meal, but it's, it's awesome that, uh, you know, you were intentional to begin with. And then the reflections and the, the things that that you got in, you know, communing with him, you now have provided for other people as a resource. Thank you for the encouragement in that word. And it really has, uh, I want to back up about three minutes into what you just said. Uh, and before I do, I'll forget to say this, but every time someone gets a book, uh, they're, they're giving to missions. But you said something that hits home with my heart so strongly, and that is, uh, I'm just amazed as you said, that the creator of all things that exist somehow has the capacity. I mean, I don't get it in my brain, Matt, but somehow his heart is so for us that this being that exists by himself and doesn't need humanity, but loves us with a love we cannot measure on this side of heaven anyway, that that big, huge God that we can't truly define, if we're going to be honest, actually wants to spend time with us during the day, like, like we're his only son or we're his only daughter. That, that has always boggled my mind. It's, it still does. And I'm 70 years old, so it's still boggling my mind, my friend. Well, it, it is such an overwhelming thing. I mean, think about the fact that we've got the Holy Spirit that dwells inside of us. So it's Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So part of God, God himself dwells inside. Of, how do we not just you know, explode. How does our, you know, limited uh, human ability and and our finite being that he created, how does that not just combust? I I don't know. It's, there's so much that I do not understand or, you know, can't fathom, but, you know, I just, I know what his word says and I know that, you know, it's true. And, you know, as you know, from spending time with him, you know, he continues to show you more and more, the more you spend time with him, it's not like uh, you get to a certain point and then you've received all that you can receive, or you've learned all that you can learn. There, There's no limits on, you know, how close we can get 
And unfortunately, most people either A, aren't aware or B, they they hear this, but then they still kind of give them the stiff arm because they're too busy with, you know, other things with life that are never going to grow, you know, anywhere close to fulfilling the way that he could. Stay tuned. We'll have more living life on purpose after we hear from one of our sponsors. Are you a business person that's hungry for more of the Holy Spirit at work? Partnering with God is what you were designed for. Experiencing God at work and being a blessing to the city that you live in is accessible to every believer. Hearing from God for your business and city shouldn't feel mysterious or inaccessible. Heaven and Business exists to give you access to the tools and training you need to equip you to grow with God in business and influence. Begin with our free trial and an online membership, then explore the events, community, and other resources. Check out heavenandbusiness.com today if this is what you're looking for, and I promise you won't be disappointed. And now, back to Living Life on Purpose with your host, Matt Wilson. You have realized that there's so much more to this life than us just living for ourselves and using this as a tool to reach these communities that you know are are in desperate need. I'm sure you've been to these places and seen uh, some of the abject poverty and just awful conditions that they have to deal with on a regular basis, being at risk. What are some of the things that you've seen in some of those places, and why did God specifically, you think, put those places on your heart? Two good questions. I uh, and before I go on, when you when uh, your verbiage and the way you seat words, we have a lot of similarities, Matt, and in, in the way we express ourselves and our and our wonderment about this God that has just given us so much life. I'll answer the first question, uh, or the question about the locations that we're in. We are in Kampala, Uganda, right outside in a village called Ganda. We started with about 14 to 14 to 18 children, I would guess, in a small hut uh, with a dirt floor. And uh, it was just something that we just felt like we, we worked with an indigenous pastor there. He, we became friends and shared visions and heart. And he said, I think one of the ways we could change our culture would be through our children in Uganda. And I, honestly, I thought the way we God can either come in like a storm and do a major revival, like the Great Awakening, as a result of people hitting their knees in prayer. He can do it that way. He can do whatever he wants to do. But if we were to invest in our children and stay focused upon that, that eventually the culture would change around them. If they could build their lives around, centered around Christ and had the opportunity to be equipped with the character and the values of Jesus, it would change the area they live in. So we took that on. Because we felt a led of the Lord to do so, and and two, just go. What if we created a model? What if we could just work within one area and just not leave that area, not tell them a lot about it? Let's just let's just do it. So we began to work. We now have three. I'm sorry, two three story buildings. That's by third world standards, I will say though. And uh, about twenty, I think we have twenty seven staff people over there right now, hmm. working with uh, the children. Having been there now for 10 or 11 years, we see a lot of those kids that were five and six years old that were susceptible to human trafficking. They were living in horrible conditions, many of them. Now we see those children that are, uh, I just got an email about six weeks ago from one who is now 22 years old, and he's the worship leader at the church that ended up developing from this and just just saying thank you. I mean, we were humble because we tried to tell them it's not us. It's not our support. It's not our finances. It's just, we're just 
We're just ordinary guys trying to hear and obey. But the Christ in him has changed his life and given him hope and given him vision. And it's done the same thing with many of the children that are there. Some wonderful stories. Uh, so we're, we're there because we feel like that is the first place the Lord called us to. Uh, I think God does a lot of things just built on relationship. Uh, personally, one of my mentors said, always watch if you want to get involved in missions, look for the people that you're, someone will introduce you to someone who will introduce you to someone else. So that kind of thing. So we, we are currently there in Kampala, outside of Kampala, I'm sorry. We are in northern Thailand. Two years, our guys have been there. We've prepared five years before we sent them. Uh, the uh, wife is actually was my secretary for about seven years, and she married an Isan Thai, which is the area we're in is 20 to 22 million Buddhists, and they're among the modern missiologists say we're in the unreached, one of the unreached people groups of the world currently. So we're very excited to, to even partake in something up there that the Lord would lead us. It's very difficult, but we're seeing headway that we just, it is just a God thing, Matt. There's just the openness and the receptivity among the children to the story of Jesus has just been wonderful. In El Salvador, again, through relationships, we're in a, a gang area there uh, in the city of San Salvador, not a giant ministry. We have probably 40 to 45 students led by a lady whose heart is just for the children of her community. And then we're trying to create um, here where I live, Hope Village, uh, USA, but it's really Hope Village, Arkansas. We're trying to, to build a base where we could send and receive and equip that sort of thing here, but be a model, a living model, reaching out to the children at risk in our region. So I think the four regions are just like anything else. God drops something on your heart, and if you're paying attention, the the story, I want to tell one story. I was in Africa, uh, in Uganda, and our director there said, I would you be open to doing a conference? I said, I don't, you know, really, I don't think I'm the conference material, really, but I would love to meet with the uh, other pastors in the area, if that's possible. And so there were about uh, probably 50 or 60 pastors total that gathered together in this building and sitting around. And uh, it was a it was a round table, really. One of the questions that I shared with them at the very beginning was, after thanking them for coming such a distance to listen to a guy who doesn't feel like he could contribute much to their life wisdom-wise, and certainly in the areas of faith there is much we could learn from those guys. But the oldest gentleman in the room, I couldn't tell you his age, but uh, he, he was a much, much older man. When I asked the question, how can I pray for you? What can we do to encourage and support you guys? And he instantly said in a shaky voice, just a guy that's been around a long time, Matt, he said, pray that Uganda would have godly fathers. And it broke my heart, man. Uh, there is a huge issue with fatherlessness, with uh, men who will get a girl pregnant, have children, and then go on. And it's a very common thing. And when I heard their story, my reply to him was that certainly we will pray. But honestly, I think the United States, the thing that we have, miss, the missing component and element that is the cry of my heart to see is to see men again who would embrace the biblical values and characteristics of Jesus. And uh, we need men. Uh, the, the problem 
really of children at risk is we don't have, in my opinion, we don't have sufficient godly fathers and godly husbands. Uh, I think that would begin to turn things around. So if I could share a story there in answer to your two questions, I think the story of, uh, that I heard from a question of a very elderly man in Uganda in a village crying out for the father, God, to send earthly examples to their nation. Uh, those are the reasons, and seeing those turnaround stories in the lives of uh, the young man that I mentioned earlier, receiving an email from him about the transformation in his life, Man, those things fire me up. I, I just told someone yesterday morning, and it's true, I wish I were 25 and just newly come to know Christ again. I would so not, there's so many things I would do different. I wouldn't get wrapped up in all of the things that we say that we have to have to have church in America. I don't think we need much, man. I think we just need the love of God and this passion to be like Jesus. And because uh, it's flying by time-wise so quickly, I would... Uh, probably steer away from all the pomp and circumstance and just uh, be the boots on the ground, hit the beach guy to tell people about Jesus and go, wow, we, we can change the world if we'll just get back to these rudimental elements. Man, that's so good. It's, um, it's exciting because, you know, there is like, there's a whole world that needs to hear that God loves them, that mm -hmm. there is a, a whole, uh, I mean, billions of people that need to know that God loves them and, and they need to know that there is a heavenly father that, that is reaching out for the fathers to become the, the men that the Lord intended them to be. And, you know, we, we live in a society here in America where, you know, men are trying to be women and women are trying to be men and they're, you know, you're not supposed to be this or that. What I mean, it, it's all lies from the pit of hell. God designed Adam then he designed Eve. He put them together in relationship to form a family. The father's supposed to be the head of the household. He's supposed to lead his home. He's supposed to be the spiritual leader in his home. And because we have seen that fatherlessness here in America, we've seen a lot of those same things that they're seeing over there. Sure. We've seen so many children that are growing up that don't understand their identity. We see so many children that, that don't know that they are loved by a heavenly father because they haven't experienced the love of an earthly father. And it is so important that, that men be the men that they're called to be in their home through Christ. You know, they've, they've got to be that spiritual leader. And, and from that standpoint, you know, if the men start to take on that role, then you will start to see th so many things shift. And, you know, churches in America, like you're talking about the pomp and the circumstance, the um, you know, it's been that courting the the women to get them in, and then the women are bringing the children, and then you know the husbands are being dragged, kicking and screaming. If the husband gets fired up to go to church and worship Jesus, the whole family is going to be you know fired up and ready to worship Jesus, and that's statistically proven. You know, so it, it is. I hear that man's cry, and and it's a cry of mine as well. Uh, going back to your, you know, talk about small groups. I've been leading a small group with men going back to 2016, and we've got some strong leaders in there, but I just continue to encourage them each and every week. I'll do it tomorrow morning, each and every week that we've got to be who God's called us to be. And, you know, similarly, we've got a young guy in there that that he's from Kenya. And, you know, he's told us stories about growing up, you know, he like his dad had to fend off lions from their house. You know, so the the struggles that he experienced in Kenya, now he's 
you know, here and, and he's growing and his dad's actually been with us for the last handful of small groups. It's been awesome. We call him the lion King. And, um, but the struggles that people face over there, you know, while they're different, they still need that the exact same biblical principles that we need here. And, right. and while the resources are different and while the, the way that it looks, the way that it feels is different, that the same God is providing the same principles. He's providing the same you know, model that, that we are to follow. And when that model gets off, when that model gets broken, then we start to see the same symptoms. We get to see the same disease. We get to see the same spreading of evil that is taking place because, you know, if you destroy the, the father, then you destroy the next generation. You destroy the family. You destroy the next generation. And from the very beginning, Satan has been trying to destroy the seed. You know, he wants to, you know, bring in all of the, the evil root and, and, you know, he doesn't want good fruit. He wants to destroy that harvest. And so I do think that that everything you're saying, it's it's so important. I want men to come alive and realize it, it's okay to be a bold follower of Jesus. You know, Jesus cracked whips, uh, you know, cracked a whip, uh, flipped over tables. You know, he he was kind, he was loving, but at the same time, he was bold. Mm-hmm. And so that that is extremely important that that men be who. They're called to be the fathers in the home, lead the way that God intended. Um, so I, I love uh, your heart behind that. And um, so as you're going in there to these places and you're raising these dollars, it seems like you've raised over, is it $290,000 you've raised already from the book sales? Oh, from the book. Yeah. And that's uh, and not actually from the sales. I don't even know. Uh, that's serving God is an adventure, is it not? Uh, yes. So we, uh, I don't even remember exactly when the book was released, but it was sometime close to Christmas, or I, I just can't remember. But uh, from the time of the release until to date, uh, it's somewhere between a quarter of a million and under 300,000. It's in that space. But that somebody just told me that yesterday that works with us. And uh, it's just, just phenomenal. I mean, I do not, I'm not, I don't have this giant platform. I'm not a media guy that's everybody knows. I, I do not. The thing that I used to do that you mentioned earlier in Christian music and was very involved in, uh, most people don't forget that. I mean, they have forgotten that. They they don't they don't know who I am. So it's, I just think it's one of the ways, I just think it's a God thing. That sounds like such a cop-out, but that's just what it is. So we're able to take doing those funds that have come in just to kind of as a report has helped us to expedite some plans that we were praying for. We're putting a second story on a building that we have in El Salvador, which will help us to double our capacity for the amount of children that have been wanting to come, but we haven't had room really. We are uh, in Thailand through that money as we've been able to Instead of wondering how we were going to struggle along this year up there, it's because we're in a very village area. We have the entire budget for the year from that. So that's just been an amazing thing. Wow. In Africa, we are uh, we have two acres. We, we're growing mace. Food is a food is an issue right now in Africa. Even if you can find it, it's almost impossible to purchase because it's so high. Mm. So we uh, have a, a farm where we now have irrigation and our goal is to help the, the older students learn how to do farming and maybe even inspire them to where they could do their own farming. 
we just finished a, a, a building where we're, we have 300 chickens. That may not sound exciting to the most uh, to most people of your listeners, but we are going to raise chickens. We will use them uh, for food supplement. The extra chickens we will be able to sell to villagers and give some some money back into the ministry there. The eggs, same thing, sell those, also use them for food. But then the, the thing that excites me most, I think, I mean, I know they have to eat and I want them to eat, obviously, but the thing that really excites me is we'll be introducing to the to the children and to the older students this agricultural, this animal husbandry segment to their life that maybe they wouldn't have been able to be exposed to before. So that was we that was originally Matt probably two to four years away, and so that's something that even as we are doing this interview, uh, they are bringing the chickens. They finish the chicken house. The, the chickens are being brought in. Our, I just got a message where. Uh, two of the guys work with us are and just to make sure that the chicks grow properly and are not because of the issues that are going on in Uganda. Uh, so they're actually going to be sleeping with the chickens. So I thought, well, now there's a new missions uh, <laughs> invitation. So would you like to go sleep with the chickens in Uganda? <laughs> well, so think about this as we're wrapping up. You started by listening to the call of the Lord. And you know, you, you knew that there wasn't something right in your marriage. You said yes to him. And then you just continued to say yes over and over and over again. And he used you musically. He's used you as a pastor. Uh, you know, he he challenged you to uh well, you challenged yourself to start waking up earlier and spending more time with him. And as you did that, you've continued to see fruit because then you started encouraging these other men. And as they started to encourage you, hey, will you put this in a more formal format? Now you've written a book and you've you've started these other ministry platforms and now you're advancing the ministry because it is just, it is an adventure. You keep saying yes. God keeps calling you and you keep saying yes. And the more you continue to say yes, you're advancing his kingdom. And it's just an amazing ripple effect that happens when we follow him when we realize that that it's fun to be a follower of Jesus it it should be fun you know it's not to say that we don't have trials it doesn't mean that we don't have bad days it doesn't mean that there are some days hey i don't know what's going on going on god and uh can you get me out of here but um you know we should be having adventures with him we should be seeing amazing things we should be seeing that transformation like you're talking about when we have an authentic relationship with him that should be the fruit that we see in your life is a great example of that. So I appreciate you being here today. It's been awesome to hear just a little bit of your story. Thank you, Matt. I, I'm honored to be here. Thank you for the words of encouragement. And I, I think maybe to encapsulate what you just shared, you keep feeding me these wonderful thoughts. Uh, so, of course, if I were to write the segments of all the things that were challenges, it's a that would make a pretty good book in itself. But when, as you talked earlier, that you have the creator of all things that wants to spend time with the sons and daughters, that same creator, what better plan is one single human ever going to come up with that's going to top the plan of God that he has for each of our individual lives? So regardless of the challenges, the yes factor to our Father in heaven, uh, only 
it's like the roller coaster that you've never ridden before. Once you've said yes and you pull the bar down and the cars are moving forward, it's it's going to be breathtaking at times. Uh, but it is you just couldn't plan. We're not going to plan a better life for ourselves than the one that the creator of all things has already designed the pathway. We just have to keep saying yes. Uh, and that's the, it, that's the struggle, is it not? I mean, so the, as you said earlier, there's some times when you want to go, ah, I don't know. But yes is the only, I, I, maybe this would be the closing line. I just read something recently of David Livingston, the uh, famous missionary and explorer to Africa. When he was, he approached a mission, he was being interviewed by a missionary agency. And they said, Mr. Livingston, are are you willing to go anywhere? Would you be willing to go to Africa? And his response to them was this, I will go anywhere for Christ as long as it's forward. That's good. Very good. Well, how can people find out more about the book and about you, uh, social media, websites? What does that look like? Well, thanks for asking. You can go to, uh, the book is called Awake in the Dawn, uh, and you can go anywhere, I think, to get it. But most people go to Amazon.com these days. So you can get that at Amazon.com or Books a Million or Barnes and Noble, just wherever. Uh, and again, I would just, I encourage you to go get it for two reasons. It's, we'll call you, it's just an on-ramp to quiet time based on the Lord's Prayer, but then also you're donating to missions every time uh, somebody buys a book. Then you can go to awakeinthedawn.com. That will, if you stick around inside there for a while, you'll get the all the doorways into what we're doing in missions and just our our whole adventure in life. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for being with us, Craig, today. I have really enjoyed it. And uh, and I know that it's going to get our listeners excited uh, about what it can look like to follow Jesus. And you know, so if this has been exciting for you, if you think that it'll get somebody else fired up, uh, we hope that you will continue to follow us on Facebook, Living Life on Purpose. On Instagram, Living Life on Purpose Always. We appreciate you listening and we will look forward to checking in with you again in two weeks.